Welcome to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast for women who want to experience intimate relationships and sex that are pleasurable and passionate, happy, thriving and deeply fulfilling. With my very special guest experts guiding lights and pioneers in their specialist areas, we'll be breaking down the myths, exploring the difficult stuff, the good stuff and seeing what's possible for love, sex and intimacy at this time of rapid change. In these candid and intimate conversations, I'll be bringing you the best of sex and relationship education, full of practical ways to support and inspire change in your intimate life. I'm your host, Sarah Rosebright. Whether you're curious about what's possible or you're already committed to exploring, I'm so happy you are here. Hi, I'm really excited to share this interview with Tamara Mercica. And Tamra is a self-love therapist and a yoga teacher and writer, and she founded the online school Getting Naked. And one of the programs in the school is Yoga for the Vagina, and it's a restorative yoga practice that uses the jade egg to heal the sexual organs, release trauma, and awaken the body to pleasure. And that's how I found Tamra's work um, through uh, the jade egg. And Tamra really lives and breathes what she teaches, and she shares her wisdom from healing from depression and her very beautiful definition of self-love. We also had a conversation where she shares how you can use places where you're triggered as portals for healing, how to consciously track and work with your beliefs was another topic we covered. Tamara shares her, the key in her journey from unhealthy relationships to finding her husband. She also shares um, why self-love is foundational for thriving intimate relationships. And then we shifted track to speak about the jade egg, pelvic health, and Tamara shares how the jade egg can be a tool for pelvic healing, how to start to use a jade egg and practice safely. And I think that's one of the things that really stands out for me about Tamara's work is bringing in how to practice this safely so that, you know, I've heard of many women over the years practicing with the jade egg and ending up with um, tension and problems that weren't there before. And Tamara's work for me really stands out in terms of how to practice safely. And she also speaks about the risks of vaginal weightlifting. We had a conversation about pelvic steaming. And again, um, Tamara shared not just the benefits, but again, how to do it safely. And I didn't appreciate how much there is to, to doing vaginal steaming um, safely. And also she shared some fascinating information about how tampons and moon cups can trigger the body to produce more blood resulting in heavy periods. And yeah, the few more topics as well, which you can see in the show notes. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Welcome to this episode today. And I'm very delighted to be joined by Tamara Mercica. Welcome, Tamara. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm looking forward to this conversation because we've had to reschedule a couple of times for different reasons. So <laughs> it's um, built the anticipation up and the excitement up. <laughs> so I'd love to start with um, you sharing with my listeners who you are, what you do. Okay, so essentially I help people fall in love with themselves. Mm. Um, it all started in my twenties and I got to the point that I was suicidal. I was trying to commit suicide every other week. And then I was sat down by my then boyfriend and my, my parents and told that I needed to be put in a mental home. And so for me, that was the big wake up call. And, uh, then I decided, okay, well, that's obviously not the future that I want. And I just started trying every possible thing I could, um, to try and get over the depression. And within Mm. a few years, I'd completely cleared it. And in that process, I'd become qualified in various different modalities and had put together a 10 session program where I could help someone become depression and feel free. And so at the time I was a newsreader and journalist. And so I was just doing this on the side. And then I launched my first book, The Upside of Down, which was a toolkit for overcoming depression. And um, then I just realized that this is what I wanted to do. It was um, just so fulfilling. So it started off as helping people overcome mental illnesses, which is helping people fall in love with themselves. Mm. That's the key to you know feeling good about yourself. 
and then it just evolved so sort of the journey that I went on then I wanted to find my prince and so then I started looking into relationships because I'd kissed way too many toads and uh, couldn't quite get it right and so um yeah I, I I started learning about relationships and then helping a lot of couples um, rebuild their relationships through learning how to fall in love with themselves and then it moved into women's health. So now um, I have an online school called Getting Naked uh, where we strip back the layers mentally as opposed to physically <laughs> and we help let go of that childhood conditioning so that people can really step into who they truly are and connect with the, the love within so then that they don't need external validation in order to feel good. Mm. Wow, take a breath on all of that. <laughs> <laughs> So sort of explaining what I do without yeah. sort of giving the backstory is a bit, oh, it doesn't quite yes. give you the, yeah. Yeah, the rich tapestry that's there. So, yeah, yeah. so, you know, and what an incredible story about your healing of your depression and how that's led you to really helping people with that. So for people listening, who may be experiencing depression because there's a huge as well, it's, it's always been there, but it feels there's even more of mental health issues right now. Um, yeah. so the volume's been turned up on that. What would you say to somebody listening? I'd say that there is hope because I suppose when I was trying to work it out, no one said that to me. Mm. And I think that's what people need to hear because I kept being told you're going to need meds for the rest of your life. Um, you know, you're never going to get over this. You'll just be able to manage it. And for me, that just was unacceptable. And so that's where like, I just started that journey, but I really, I want to instill that thing that yes, there is hope. I have helped so many people become depression free. So I know that it, it works and that there are different methods, not just mine, other people's methods that can help you. But the big thing that you want to understand is that from the moment you were perceived, you were conceived up until age seven, you are literally programmed on how you think, act and behave. So we take on these beliefs about ourselves, and they form how we think about ourselves. So if you had a mother or a father or a carer that um, didn't give you a lot of love, or maybe they had some beliefs themselves around not being good enough or feeling less than, or, you know, things that made them feel unworthy, you as a child start to model that, you pick up their behavior, and then that becomes your programming. So the thing to understand is how you are feeling now is not who you truly are. You've taken on all of this mental gunk from the big people around you when you were little, and now you're just acting that out because that is the autopilot system that's been set up for you. And so if you can just understand that first and understand that you are more than those beliefs and you are more than your negative thoughts, then I feel that that is a good starting point. So then that you can start looking at where those things came from in order to change the beliefs so that you can start to think differently. Mm. Does that make sense? hundred percent. You explain it so clearly. Yeah. And what did you find was some of the key things that helped you on your journey of healing from depression? working with a therapist that was clearing the limiting beliefs was a huge part of that because unless you're clearing the programming then no matter what you do consciously or physically it's not really going to stick because what we need to understand is the subconscious mind is responsible for 90 percent of our thoughts actions and behaviors so even if we consciously try to make ourselves think i'm good enough i'm good enough i'm good enough if you've got an underlying belief of i'm not good enough then that's always going to come come through you're always going to act from that place so that's a really important piece to be working on clearing the limiting beliefs and then you want to clean up the rest of your life because <laughs> you know when whenever we have some kind of ailment whether it's physical or mental um, it's essentially a call for us to clean up to go what am i doing that is not serving me right now and for me, you know, I was working shift work. I was, I was a newsreader. And so I was getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning to start work at four. And so that just messes with your body. So that needed to go. I needed to find a better, a, a better work hours. 
Um, you know, other things that I did, I did like laughter yoga. So, you know, I'd meet with a group of people and we'd stand in a circle and we'd do these funny exercises and laugh. And, you know, this was helpful because it sends the happy chemicals into the body and helps the body start producing these happy chemicals again. Because especially if you've been on antidepressants, what happens is that the body stops producing these chemicals. And because the body's getting them from an external source, so it goes, oh, I don't need to uh, produce these anymore. And so when we start to do things like laughter yoga or exercise that makes us feel good, we're starting to get those happy chemicals moving again and being created again. So then that our body can be supported by those, by that good chemistry, right? Mm. So there are a couple of little things that are really helpful. I mean, in my book, I go through a whole big list, but you know, they're, they're good Great. starting points. Yeah, well, I'll put all of that in the show notes um, as well for people yeah, who are cool. interested in following more. You mentioned self-love there, which is one of your, your key areas. And, and so I'd love for you to share what you mean by self-love. Mm. It's a big question. Mm. And when I think about it, I think self-love is essentially the act of making friends with oneself. So we're talking about showing oneself kindness and compassion and to be open to listening to that inner voice of wisdom above the loud noise of the mind or even, you know, those negative voices of other people. So it's where minute by minute, day by day, we practice accepting ourselves, showing ourselves unconditional love, regardless of our actions or behaviors or current life circumstances. So if we look at the Buddhist tradition, it's believed that if we want to cultivate love and deepen relationships, or if we want to attain enlightenment, we need to begin by making friends with ourselves. So for me, that's what self-love is. It's being willing to enter a relationship with ourselves, where we spend time listening to ourselves, where we nurture ourselves and our needs, where we honor and respect ourselves and where we're willing to fully accept ourselves, even in our darkest, most vulnerable moments. Mm, that's such a beautiful definition. It just feels really all encompassing um, <laughs> and such a beautiful anchor because I remember one of my teachers saying many years ago, you know, if you spoke to your best friend, the way you speak to yourself, your best friend will have told you to do one many years ago. And for me, that was such a wake up of like, oh, wow. I am horrible to myself, um, yeah. but also to be with that with compassion as well, but just that realization of how we speak to ourselves. So I love that cultivating a friendship. So what do you see as, as some of the sort of key things people listening might do to start to build that friendship with themselves? Hmm. So, you know, one of the easy things people think of is they go, well, oh, I'll go and get a facial or I'll go get a massage or, you know, I'll treat myself. And this is sort of self-love, but the type of self-love that I like to refer to is where you sit down and you meditate or you get out a journal and you do some journaling or you simply walk through life and you notice what's going on for you. So maybe it's, it's noticing where you're being triggered you know, people around us, they're always triggering us, right? They make us feel less than, they make us feel drained. Maybe we're being bullied and noticing these behaviors because as soon as we notice these behaviors, then we can go, ah, where am I doing that to myself? Because this is something, and this is something that I teach, I, I call it mirror reflections, is that every situation, every person around us and how they treat us is showing us what we've got going on inside. So if we're willing to look at the way that we're being treated by others when we get triggered and try and see the reflection, where am I doing that in my life? And to give you an example, well, maybe someone's not listening to you and it's just making you really, really annoyed or anxious or angry. I'm not being listened to. Then you can go, well, where am I not listening? Am I not listening to my child? Am I not listening to my husband? Am I not listening to myself? And when we're willing to really acknowledge that actually what that person did to me, I'm doing somewhere in my life and maybe not to the extreme because often we'll be showing things in a more extreme, extreme way to get our attention. <laughs> but if we can notice that, oh, I'm actually doing it, then that awareness gives us an opportunity to look at that and heal that. And then from that place, we can go, well, where did that come from? Did that, was that some childhood conditioning? Is that something that I need to look at? Um, what do 
I need to clear around that so then that I'm not attracting that in because if you can clear that within yourself, you're not going to attract that from other people. Um, we are very much like a magnet and we attract to us the people that will show us the wounds that we are yet to heal. So in that way, when someone triggers you, it's actually a gift. They're going, hey, look, you've got to clear out some of this stuff. Um, obviously, you know, it doesn't feel that way when it happens. It's like, that person's like so annoying. <laughs> But, you know, if we're willing to just stand back and go, mm -mm, this is a gift, this is showing me what I need to look at, then there's our opportunity for healing. So that's where I believe that life and our, especially our relationships, especially our romantic relationships, the ones that um, we have the most, most rapport with, they are our greatest opportunities for healing. And, you know, they're sort of like a self-help course if you're willing to look <laughs> at them like that, right? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. So that practice of bringing awareness of really being um, curious about those triggers and what they're showing and, and the places for possibility and for change. And I, I love that. That feels very empowering the way that you speak about it, about taking your power back. Um, yeah, because we can go, oh, actually, I'm going to blame that person. It's all them and they're the person in the wrong. But that disempowers us. Yet when we can take full responsibility, then we're empowering ourselves because then we can do something with that. Mm. Anything else you'd love to share around self-love and practices? Hmm. One of the practices I love, <laughs> and this was one that I... I, I established when I was trying to find my prince because, like I said, I, I've had a pretty bad track record around finding my guy. <laughs> And um, I was dating all these guys and I was internet dating and I was, you know, back when that was the thing, uh, speed dating and, you know, putting my number in people's pockets and whatnot, just trying to, you know, figure this whole thing out and reading books about relationships. And then I, it dawned on me and I'm like, hold on, all of these relationships are not working. What's the common denominator? It's me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so what have I got going on that is stuffing up all of these relationships? And so I decided to stop dating other people and I decided to start dating myself. And so I entered into this extremely committed relationship with myself where I didn't date anyone else for six months and I was just dating myself and I would wine and dine myself just as I would, um, you know, if I was going out with someone else. And this practice was so eye-opening for me because when you are on that date, you start to notice things about yourself. It's like, are people looking at me? Am I being judged? Are people feeling sorry for me? All of this negative chatter comes up, especially, you know, if the date's like in a fancy restaurant and, you know, you're sitting there by yourself with a bunch of flowers that you bought for yourself. Um, <laughs> but um, it's a really great opportunity for you to go, what have I got going on? And you start to, again, look at this negative chatter and go, okay, how can I, how can I work with that? Where has that come from? And so that sort of gave me a really good platform for healing. And then it was really great. I got to this point of dating myself for six months where I finally went, oh, actually, I don't feel the need to be in a relationship with someone else. I'd like completely lost that attachment to needing someone else because I felt full. I'd got to this really full place because I'd been giving myself everything that I wanted from someone else. And it was literally within two weeks of that happening that my husband um, came into the picture. <laughs> wow. That's so, incredible. yeah, so it was very, you know, I, I'm a big believer that if you want to get into a relationship, then heal your relationship with yourself, practice that self-love, date yourself, um, you know, really commit to your relationship with yourself. And when you feel full, then you're going to be an energetic match, if you want to call it, to attract in the person that you, that is a really good match for you. <laughs> um, absolutely. And so did you, when you set out on that sort of six month quest, did you know that's what you needed to do to fill yourself up and feel that you didn't need a partner? Or was that something that surprised you that you experienced towards the end? It was lots of surprises. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd, um, 
I just started learning how to tune into myself. So listening to my inner voice and let that guide me. And it was during one of my tune-ins, I call them tune-ins where I, I journal with a pen and paper and I let my true self speak to me. And I got the message of you need to start dating yourself. And I didn't get a timeline at that point. It was just like, you need to commit to this relationship with yourself. And I remember it was quite funny. There was, I, I was committed and I was doing it. And then there was this one night and my friend invited me out to see a band and I really liked the drummer. I thought he was really hot. And um, I said, yes, and it was all fine. And then I was just like, oh, I wonder if he'll be interested in me, blah, 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 blah. And as soon as I had that thought, I started feeling really sick in my stomach and I started getting these really bad cramps. <laughs> And I had to call up my mate and go, I'm sorry, I can't come. I feel really sick. And as soon as I said no, then the cramps just went away. And I took that as a sign that my body was telling me, you are not ready to date someone else yet. Mm. But when I was ready to date someone else, then I was literally playing, because I'm also a drummer, <laughs> I was out playing a gig with my band. And my husband, now husband, um, his band was playing and we met and it was easy. And within a few dates, we're in a relationship and within four months we were living together. <laughs> so it was just completely the opposite to every other relationship I'd had. Mm. And for, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of my experience and some of the women that I work with and, and, and chat with, and they can have that time for themselves, but then get frustrated or, feel lonely and, 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 you know, almost want to sort of give up with that process. So for anybody listening, who's feeling that, what would you share with them? <laughs> yeah. So feeling lonely is part of, part of that identifying what have I got going on and feeling lonely is the symptom of the belief of I'm alone. So a lot of people have this belief of I'm alone. Something's happened to them as a child and they felt really alone. And then they go through life feeling alone. And even if they do get in a relationship, they still feel alone and they sabotage in the same way. So this is a really great opportunity to go, well, why do I feel alone? What's going on there? Where did this come from? And what do I need to, to, to release or clear or understand to know that actually I have myself all the time and I am the perfect person to have in my life. I'm always here. I can't walk out of myself. I'm here. I'm available. Um, and when you get to that point of understanding, it's impossible to be alone, then that lonely feeling goes away. Does that make mm, sense? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And like you say, when you have this time without dating, you're able to see the threads of what's there that keeps you mm -hmm. tangled in some of these stories and in these places. And yeah, amazing. And yeah, I was thinking for me, I, I, I'd got to that place of really filling myself up before I met my partner, but I just couldn't see the, the blind spot of what was the pattern that I was repeating. And then it was literally the moment I saw that blind spot, he showed up a week later and <laughs> see this is proof right it's this so is how incredible. it works yeah it's it is, it is really magic and um it is really magic and I'm curious because you sort of you use the language finding your prince and like lots of people might say they're king or they're queen or they're and so I'm just curious why you went for prince what that means for you hmm. Oh, you know, I'm a romantic at heart and I love, you know, <laughs> happily ever fairy tales. <laughs> I've, you know, up until I had my son, I think I'd watched every chick flick out there and, you know, just constantly reading romantic novels. And I was just in love with love stories. So prince as opposed to king. I don't know. I think it's just because in, in fairy tales, it's always the prince that gets the girl, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. It is so true. <laughs> Beautiful. And, and I know one of your, your areas as well is, is, you know, helping couples with, with relationships and, and, and remark, you call it remarkable relating. I think it's one of your, is that the couples work, one of your couples courses or is that something different? Remarkable Relationships is a program that I created to teach people how to clear their own limiting beliefs so then that they can have remarkable relationships with each area of their life. So it might be with a partner or it might be with their health or it might be with their finances and so forth. Okay, wow. And yeah. so with couples and, and people in relationships, um, you've mentioned about helping couples rebuild relationships. So I'd love to hear what are some of the challenges that you see in the couples that you work with and then how you help them with that. <laughs> 
Sure. So when a couple is struggling, it's essentially that they've fallen out of love or never been in love with themselves, not the other person. Mm. Because if we come back to that mirror reflections idea, the person that you're in relationship with is just showing you all the holes that you have in the relationship with yourself. Mm. So when I work with couples, I don't work with them together. I work with them individually and we work on building their relationship with themselves. And as a natural byproduct of that, then yeah, I'm just thinking all the couples I've worked with, they've ended up back together in really happy relationships. Mm. So it's not about the other person. And even if I just work with one of the people um, as opposed to both of them, because not, yep. not <laughs> both of them don't always want to do the work, right? Um, so even if you work with one of them, that person will start to clear out their limiting beliefs and their stuck emotions, and they will start to act and behave very differently around their partner. And that invites their partner to act and behave in a very different way. Mm-hmm. So even if just one person does the work, then often the other person will step up. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes the other person will step out. <laughs> And that's something just to be aware of. But if that person does step out, it's because they're not willing um, to do the growth. They're not willing to do the work. They're not willing to step up and they're creating space for someone better to come in that's going to match you. Mm. Yeah, wow. That's a very unique way of working with couples, working with them totally individually rather than the couple as a unit together. Yeah. And I just finished with a couple a couple of weeks ago and they were both you know, a little bit sceptical when they started, but they'd been recommended from, from another guy who I'd worked with, him and his wife, and it had saved their marriage. And so they got into it and they're just like, I can't believe how good we feel in this relationship when they'd been to so many different couples therapists and so many done different coaching and bits and pieces and nothing had really got to the root cause of what was going on for them so then that they could be happy with each other. Mm. So you know, when we are willing again to work with our relationship with self, that is the foundation for our relationship with another person, but it's the foundation for everything we do in life. So, you know, if you're wanting to earn money and it's not working for you, well, then what are your beliefs around finances? What are your beliefs about being worthiness and being of value? And if you clear that stuff out, well, then you're able to attract in more money. So everything comes back to that, that really important relationship with self. So for somebody listening, whether they're curious about exploring their beliefs, you know, whether it's around money or a partner or what self-love, whatever it is, how might they practically work with a belief? Maybe give you an example of a belief that they could journey with. Yeah, sure. So the first thing that you want to look at is your thoughts, because your thoughts are showing you what your beliefs are. And you know, we do something and maybe it doesn't work the way that we want to do it. And then we go, I'm stupid. I'm not good enough. Those comments, those things that you tell yourself, they are your beliefs. And so once you know what your belief is, then you can start to work with it. So the way that I teach people is I teach them how to go back to the root cause of the belief when it was installed in childhood. And a lot of the time they won't remember this event because they were too young, but the subconscious records everything. So we're able to go back to that event and we gather um, positive learnings about that event. And once we've got enough positive learnings, then that that belief shifts and you're able to move forward without that belief. Um, For someone who's not working with someone or doesn't have those tools, my recommendation would be to start with journaling. So get a pen and paper, write down the belief that you've got and just ask yourself, is this really true? Now, chances are you've probably collected a lot of evidence to support this belief because that's what we do. We get a belief and then we start collecting evidence. But if we are willing to actually sit with and go, is this intrinsically true? We might start getting just a little bit of information that would suggest otherwise. And that is sort of like an in, a start that you can, you can begin with to help, you know, start, um, to help shift the belief. Not nece- you necess- won't necessarily shift the belief that way, but it will help to start to loosen it. Mm, mm. And because that's the Byron Katie question, isn't it? That is this one yes. of the four questions of Byron Katie, which is a great yeah. um, process to start to, like you say, loosen the belief. And, yeah. um, and, and also to start to, bring more awareness to gathering the evidence of what is true yeah 
Yeah. And then when you have that thought, you're going to start to think, oh, hold on. That's that belief that I have. That's not actually true. And so there's just going to be like a pattern interrupt. So the behavior that follows that thought may be a little bit different. Mm, yeah, fantastic. And so going back to sort of revisit those events um, and to gather the positive learnings, is that something people can also do with a journal if they, if they maybe sit and meditate with that and see what comes up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a specific process for it to get them into a state that they're able to access their subconscious mind. Um, it's a little bit more lengthy than mm -hmm. a podcast episode to explain, <laughs> <laughs> but um, absolutely start to explore it on your own because the thing is the answers are all within you. We don't always have the trust and belief in ourselves to be able to believe that we can access them, but they're there. And the more we sit with ourselves, whether it's with a journal or in meditation or even going for a nature walk, the more we start to hear those, the truth of who we are and we start to unravel things more easily. So um, there are many different ways to, to start to access our inner truth and yeah, meditating, journaling, taking a walk in nature. These are all fantastic starting points. Yeah, I totally um, feel that it's so essential is to create that time, especially in the noise of our worlds. Um, yeah. You know, it's, go on, sorry. I was just going to say, you know, people get up and I, I don't know many people that don't brush their teeth in the morning and they do that because they don't want stinky breath. But if we get up in the morning and we do some journaling or meditating or clearing of our beliefs, then we're not going to have stinky beliefs and we're not going to have stinky thoughts. <laughs> and so this is like just as important as brushing our teeth if not more important because we're going to feel really good right <laughs> absolutely <laughs> thank you for sharing and i'd love to sort of shift tack a little bit to talk about pelvic health and uh, quite a lot to shift tack a lot and, and pelvic <laughs> health and also to talk about the jade egg as well because that's how i found you through your your jade egg work many years ago so you use the phrase pelvic harmony <laughs> so i'd love you to share first of all what does that mean well i guess if you use pelvic harmony there'll be pelvic disharmony so to talk about what pelvic disharmony is and pelvic harmony sure so pelvic harmony is when all of our organs and our tissues and our muscle muscles are sitting in the optimum position and they are functioning really well we have really good um, blood flow in that area. Um, in Chinese medicine, they say that chi is flowing really well through that area and everything is in really good health and alignment. So it's operating as it needs to operate. And it's in a balanced state because our pelvis is our center of gravity. So if you imagine the pelvis being like children's building blocks and the pelvis is the bottom one, if the build, if the bottom one um, is on rocky ground or if you know it becomes unstable then all of those other blocks they fall off right and those other blocks are our spine our hands our head our legs everything that extends from the pelvis so for me the pelvis you want that to be in pelvic harmony you want that to be stable and aligned because otherwise the whole body is going to be off um, and this is as much physically as it is emotionally because for women we tend to store a lot of our emotion in our abdomen in our pelvis um, we, we, you know, a lot of women have unfortunately been abused or they've had traumatic births or, you know, we've had different things happen um, and they've got stuck in the cells and the tissues in our pelvis. And that's where they create the disharmony. And when I talk about disharmony, I'm talking about pelvic health issues like fibroids or endometriosis, incontinence, prolapse, um, infertility, um, even PMS is a sign of pelvic disharmony because our bodies are designed to bleed every month if you're pre-menopause <laughs> and um, it's not meant to be a rocky ride. If you are having cramping, um, it's a sign that there's stagnation in the pelvis so things aren't flowing properly. So this is where we want to have good blood flow. We want to have the organs where they're meant to be sitting um, and we want to be looking after this area because it is the center of our world from both a physical and emotional standpoint. Mm. And for you getting into this sort of specialist area, we, did you have challenges that for yourself? How, how did you end up in this work? <laughs> 
it always happens that way <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um so I was 31 and I just got into a relationship with my husband so I'd sorted out the relationship piece I'd got over the depression and then I returned an abnormal pap smear result and I was um, shown to be the stage before cancer and the gynecologist wanted to operate and perform a surgery that could have left me unable to conceive and at the time, obviously, I didn't have any children and I did want one. And I, I also prefer to take a more natural approach. So I said to my gynecologist that I'd come back in three months after I tried more natural alternatives. And let's just say he wasn't particularly happy with me for that suggestion. And so I went away and I, I did two things. I started clearing the limiting beliefs that I had because some relationship beliefs had come up fears around you know my husband not being ready to have a child when I was ready because he was six years younger than me and you know all different relationshipy type things and so I did a whole lot of the emotional clearing clearing out that childhood relationship gunk and then I also started working with a jade egg and I actually just a few months earlier started learning about the jade egg but I hadn't really got into it because my teacher had taught me in a way that I felt was very masculine and I just it sort of felt like a gym workout and I just couldn't I couldn't resonate with it properly and so I started to develop my own practice with the jade egg because it helps draw fresh blood to the area and when you're drawing fresh blood to the area and you're awakening the cells and enlivening the area and creating circulation what's happening is that healing is happening and so we're using the jade I was using the jade egg as an anchor point to help create healing in the pelvis and so when I returned to the gynecologist, it ended up being four months. I didn't get back in three months. <laughs> Bad me. <laughs> but four months later, I went back. He did a heap of tests and he's like, it's a miracle. There's like no issues. It's all clear. So for me, it made me realize that these miracles are available to everyone. And we just need the tools and understanding and belief in ourselves in order to activate the healing in the body. So that is what then led to me creating yoga for the vagina because I had such a strong experience with it. Um, and I started teaching other women just to, just who, who were doing sort of my therapy sessions. I'd introduce it to them a bit and they started getting some really amazing results. And then I developed a whole program on it because it was just so powerful in the in the results that it could create not just helping to clear um you know precancerous cells but to help clear all sorts of different issues mm. so that's that's what happened i didn't Wonderful. ever plan to you know study vaginas and um tell people to put crystals up their vaginas <laughs> <laughs> it's never the the purpose plan the career objective <laughs> Yeah. No, it, it wasn't. Didn't show up on my radar at school at all. So no, no. <laughs> and I, I really love because I, I, um, I, I've, I've taught jade egg workshops over the years, and and I've had a prolapse and all sorts of things. So it's a real area mm. of passion for me as well. And I, just for people listening, just to sort of name just how common this is that women have issues with this area of our body. It's so common, and how also. What I see time and time again is from um, professionals and, and, you know, there's no disrespect to professionals because it's a huge gap in training as well. But this is just how it is. Oh, you've got this prolapse, yeah. learn to live with it. Oh, you're incontinent. Try a few Kegel exercises and, you know, that's it. And, and wear some panty liners. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then become <laughs> a, you know, the old lady jokes and you know, all these things. And it's yeah. just like there is. And, and there's so many reasons like you shared that while we have disharmony in this area of our bodies, not to mention lifestyle and sitting lots and, you know, just there's just so many factors. So just to normalize it for anyone listening, that it's really understandable, but also there's hope and possibility in terms of what you can do to take your healing in your own hands, literally. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's where it needs to start is to just by starting with a practice, whether it's yoga for the vagina or whether it's a different practice that focuses on the pelvis. Like I also teach um, pelvic steaming, which is a really mm -hmm. beautiful practice as well. Um, as you want to start with something that allows you to start to drop your awareness down into your womb, into your vagina, into this whole pelvic bowl area, because 
our awareness and being present with that area and listening and feeling they are the healing tools so it doesn't really matter so much which practice you decide to adopt as long as it's something that really fosters that connection with your pelvis yeah and so um, i'd love to dive in a moment into the jade egg and pelvic steam therapy but is there any sort of pre-practices that people can do to sort of um, those sort of um, more intimate practices that to bring more awareness you just you like you shared just just bringing the awareness down but is there anything else somebody could be listening it could be as simple as literally lying down on your back you know bend your knees so your feet are flat on the ground place your hands on your womb and just breathe breathe into that area drop your awareness there and start to listen mm, that simple yeah 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 beautiful and with your jade egg, you know, one of the things that I, I really, I've done some of your yoga for the vagina course. And, you know, for anyone listening, I really value your thoroughness in how you teach the jade egg. And it's such a beautifully presented course. And there's also so many really comprehensive guides if you are experiencing <laughs> prolapse or incontinence and all these different things. But for me, I was so terrified of doing anything. <laughs> Um, the, 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 the reassurance that I got from reading and understanding these things. So I just, you know, and there's a lot of people out there teaching the jade egg that are very much about just put the jade egg in, like you say, like a workout, or there may be no bringing awareness to the fact that there may be a lot of tension in that area of the body, which can maybe just um, make that worse, can never say that word. Um, <laughs> so I really, really you know, just wanted to share that I really value what you've created there. Um, so I'd love to hear a bit more you know about what you feel is the sort of um how somebody might start something like a jade egg practice if they're curious um yeah to share your wisdom on that firstly i just want to say thank you for sharing your experience and i'm so glad that you had that that positive experience with my course and that you felt safe because um i know that when i when I started, yeah, I was being taught in a way, you know, you might have heard of vaginal weightlifting where people yeah. are told to, you know, hold the jade, have weights hanging down from the jade egg. And this is, it's too strong for the pelvic tissues. Um, and, you know, I've, I've heard of many people that have then developed prolapses because they've been taught to use the jade egg in a way that is really harmful for the pelvis. So um, we yeah. do need to be aware of it. Um, I don't teach it like that, <laughs> um, probably because I have a, a thorough understanding of, of, of the pelvic anatomy and, yeah. and the way that you want to treat it. Um, so back to the question of how you would start with a practice. Um, I would start without the jade egg, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I would start by, let me just think how I would describe this. If you go to my website, there is a free starters guide and you can get that and that will explain how to do it. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> um, you want to just practice squeezing and releasing in a way that allows there to be a stronger release and a bigger focus on the release. Because like you were saying before, there can be a lot of tension that's held in the pelvis. And if we are squeezing and doing kegels, like most doctors will tell you to do, there's a couple of problems with that. And the first one is that a lot of people don't know what they're squeezing or how to do kegels. And the other problem is that they're, they're doing a lot of squeezes without the release. Mm. And so we need to put the bigger focus on the release. So we want to squeeze on the inhale and we want to not just squeeze in the vagina or the pelvic floor. We want to imagine that our, we're contracting or activating our whole pelvic parfait. So I call it a pelvic parfait. <laughs> it's including our organs, our muscles, our tissues or the ligaments. So we're contracting all of the contents of the pelvic bowl in towards the vagina. And then we're releasing on the exhale. And the reason that I teach to release on the exhale is because we're able to get a better release. And that allows you to really let go of the tension. And if you can release for a longer breath out than you have squeezed on the inhale, that's even better. So that's where I would start, you know, get down in that position on the floor and just start to squeeze on the inhale, very slow, very gentle. Uh, we're not trying to crack a nut in there. So very <laughs> gentle. Okay. Um, again, you know, you just don't want to strain things very gentle and then just release. 
And that can be a beautiful way in. And if you feel like nothing is happening, if you feel like you can't really connect with what's going on in your pelvis or where you're squeezing, just imagine it. Because, you know, there's been countless studies that have shown that what we visualize starts to actualize in our physical body if we continue to visualize that. So um, just visualizing that whole pelvic parfait. If you're not sure what's in your pelvis, you know, look it up online and get a bit of an idea. Oh, this is here. This is here. Okay, this is what we're gathering in towards the vaginal canal. So I would start there before using the jade egg. And if you are going to use a jade egg, I would learn from a teacher, uh, whether it's me, whether it's someone else that you trust, um, just because they're, like I was saying before, there are a lot of ways that you could use it that could cause harm or create more tension. So that's mm. really important. Mm. And also, you know, when I first tried to learn it from books, they were so complicated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like read a page and then like try and do something and it became such a heady process. I was like, I just need to go, uh, go and do this with somebody. <laughs> to yeah, follow you need along. To be, yeah, you need to be in your body. And the way that I teach it, as you know, is that I, I show a little video and I show you the moves and what they look like. And then we do an audio. So then that you're not looking at me, you're not comparing your body to mine. You're not trying to make sure you're doing it right. You're actually feeling your body and noticing what's going on for you with my voice's guidance to guide you along. Because then that way you can be more present in the practice as opposed to being up in your head. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't, I don't think because I've done a few JD courses, I don't think anyone else does that. And I just think that it's just so simple what you do. I mean, I imagine it's taken a lot of time and work to put all that together, but how <laughs> yeah. valuable that is for people to be able to just drop into the practice in that way. Yeah. And it is, it's like having you in the room, just there guiding um, so that you can really, really focus on the practice. Um, and also just to say to people listening, I think it is, is if you're, if you've, are still struggling even after visualizing to feel or to, to connect or you'll have any concerns I think it's always great to go and see a specialist yeah. um, and it's really worth that and that you know and I don't know if you have them in Australia but we have uh, the Tammy Kent's modality as well the holistic pe um, pelvic care practitioners particularly because yeah, they have I've that whole holistic approach I've got a really good one that I've had a few sessions with and I'm actually training in that at the moment. <laughs> oh, are you? Amazing. Yeah. Well, I have an yeah. amazing one in England and um, Helen Hodder and uh, she's in Bristol and uh, she was really key in helping me with my prolapse healing journey. Um, awesome. And so I'll put that in the show notes because it's a wonderful modality and often those HPC people are often trained as pelvic therapists as well and sort of really bridge those worlds, don't they, which is really, really Absolutely. wonderful. Absolutely. And I know it can feel a little bit scary to have someone else's finger in your vagina, but if you can find someone that you really trust and can hold space for you, it can be such an amazingly supportive and well-held I don't even have words for it. The experience yeah. can be just so magical and you can receive the nurturing that perhaps you didn't get as a kid. So it's just so good on so many levels. <laughs> yeah. And can be also, again, I had a session with a sexological body worker as part of my healing and the body worker just held a finger just inside and I just accessed all this grief that I didn't know was there and just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I don't think I would have accessed that without that session so there's ways to just really tap into the emotions that are stored there can be so powerful so thank yeah. you so so yeah just really bigging up your jade egg course for anyone listening and i'll put a link <laughs> to your free um course and it's, it's so beautifully done and you talked about pelvic steam therapy so you know that's some something that people are like yeah that's amazing other people are like no that's a load of rubbish and so <laughs> I just, yeah, there's so much out there with jade egg as well isn't there and um so I'd love you yeah. to sort of share how you find um pelvic steam therapy works and what the benefits are so I find it really relaxing and I, I feel mm. that it's probably a good option for people that are not ready to put something or have someone else's finger go in their vagina because it's less less intrusive, I suppose, um, because you literally sit on a box or a steam stool and you have steam that's had herbs in it and it, the steam comes up and what it does is it actually lifts and tones and uh, all the tissues in, in the pelvic bowl um, and you're getting the benefits from the specific herbs because you want to get specific herbs that are suited to your condition and what you've got going on. 
and it helps heal from that perspective. It's really great for scar tissue as well because the steam mm. helps to melt the scar tissue, um, which then can be really good for prolapse because a lot of the time when people have prolapse is that there's a lot of scar tissue in the area and you need to melt that so then that there's not those restrictions that are causing pulling in different areas and knocking those um, organs out of alignment. Um, but one of, the, one of the biggest benefits I had from it was I got into it um, when my period returned after I had my son and, um, you know, my, my period was a bit gunky, uh, the first few periods, and I'd always had a lot of, um, a lot of clots and a lot of brown blood at the start and the end and really heavy periods. Um, I never had any cramping or anything like that, but there were those other side effects and I'd have really long periods for like seven days. And then I started steaming and it cleared out all of the brown blood. So just so people are aware, when you have brown blood, that's a sign that there is stagnation in the pelvis, that things aren't circulating and flowing very well. And so it got rid of all of that brown blood and I was having nice red juicy periods. Um, and I stopped uh, bleeding for seven days. They went down to a, a healthy four days. Four days is a really healthy bleed time. And um, it was lighter. So it was like the steaming cleaned up my period, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've heard many stories like that. And I think that's wonderful. And also with all of this, whether it's a jade egg or, or, or steaming, it can be just great preventative treatment um, ways of just looking after the body. And like you say, keep the blood flowing, stop any stagnation from happening. So we don't have to have absolutely. issues there. We can do it as a, just a great yeah. self-love and care practice. Because like you said, we do so much sitting and we also have things like birth traumas or sexual abuse. And so there's so much stagnation in the pelvis and maybe we're just not moving our pelvis as much mm. as we need to. And by doing the steaming, we're helping to get things flowing again so then that yeah. we have good fertility. Um, it's also really good for fibroids um, because it literally melts the fibroids and they come out in your period. So wow, so that's it's really one... cool listening with some so someone listening whether they've got fibroids or um um sort of more um periods that are not flowing what would you recommend as a sort of amount of regularity for doing this practice something is it a daily practice i'd love to hear more it very much depends on the person so that's where you know when i'm uh, guiding someone on how to do pelvic steaming, I get them to fill out a very extensive survey and questionnaire um, that gives me a lot of information about their periods. And from there, I formulate a, a plan for them. So generally they will either do 10 minute or 30 minute steams. If it's um, if they have short periods, so if their periods are shorter than 28 days, you don't wanna steam for longer than 10 minutes because that means that you're quite sensitive and it could actually be too um, exhausting on the pelvis to do a 30 minute steam. So that's just one example of, you know, the timing is really important. Um, you obviously don't steam when you have your period because um, uh, the heat could keep the artery open that um, pours the blood into the uterus. And so we don't want to do that. We want to allow time for the, for the, for the artery to close so then that we don't keep bleeding. <laughs> so there's no steaming during bleeds. Um, and then you probably want to stop steaming a few days before your next period. So then that you can allow that period to come. Mm -hmm. um, so when it comes to how often it really depends, you can do it daily outside of those two windows of the period. Um, if your body is okay with that. And again, that's just going to come down to what you've got going on in your body. So I take a very much a, a Chinese medicine perspective with it. So we look at whether there's stagnation, we look at whether there's heat in the body. Um, Cause if there's heat in the body, you want to make sure that you don't wrap, um, you don't want to wrap towels around yourself and have too much heat because again, then that can add to the heat that's already in the body. Um, there's so many different factors. Mm. Um, so I would recommend, again, with the steaming, you want to go to a qualified practitioner who can give you a specific steam plan for where you're at. And mm. especially if it's something like clearing out fibroids, well, then you might be doing longer steams for extended periods of time. Um, but then if you have short periods, then you might need to do that in a way that, you know, doesn't further exhaust the pelvis. Yep. Does that make yep. sense? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. This is such important information yeah. um, to, to be able to do it safely. 
and mm-hmm. in a way that sort of cultivates your intentions rather than can cause harm or or, or create yeah. more problems so yeah yeah and and so for anyone listening as well is there a, a way to do steaming where they don't need a special stool because yes you can um get a chair and cut a hole in it Mm. <laughs> so that works the thing you want to be careful with is you want an unvarnished chair because the steam can actually um you know um, activate the fumes in the varnish and you don't want that going up inside your body mm, definitely not <laughs> yeah <laughs> so if you've got an unvarnished stool uh, chair then absolutely you can cut it cut a, um, a circle in it um i did try it like i had a, a spare toilet seat and put that over some chairs while i was waiting for my belongings from the uk to arrive and i i did that a few times it wasn't nearly as comfortable but you know there are certain things that you can do um to make it work yeah wonderful thank you and is there anything else you'd like to share from your wisdom as well about how to practice the jade egg safely hmm above anything else listen to your body because your body is much wiser than any instructor could possibly be so listen to that body wisdom and if something doesn't feel right stop Mm. that would probably be my biggest advice Mm. um yeah that would be it and around the menstrual cycle because most people say not to practice the jade egg when bleeding do you have any thoughts around that i agree Mm. um because you know we've got blood coming out we don't want to be clogging up the blood and that's also why i don't recommend wearing tampons because what happens is if we go and clog up where the blood is coming out the body goes oh there's something stuck in the area that i'm trying to get out of and what happens is the body sends this signal to pour more blood into our uterus to try and flush out the thing that's stuck mm. and this is how women get really depleted and they end, because they end up having really heavy periods and so for me part of the process of um, not having heavy periods was stopping using tampons so um wow yeah because you know you think of a a sink right and if you've got a dirty sock in the sink and you're trying to empty the sink of water it's not going to flush out properly right yeah yeah and and that's the same with our vagina yeah wow i've not not understood that has an impact on heavy periods and and is the moon cup different for that because it just collects it or would you say there's yeah i would i used to use them Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't anymore um it depends on the woman some people can use it without activating that mechanism that creates more blood yeah it depends even my trainer in pelvic steaming was like it really depends on the woman it might work Mm -hmm. for them it might not there's still something up there so i'd err not to but again it's up to the individual yeah but (laughs) actually just (laughs) just even that awareness that that i you know never heard that 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 tampons or potentially moon cups as well can trigger that mechanism and so even that for somebody listening to experiment with if you're having heavy bleeding to try what would it be like to not use a moon cup for a while and see if that affects the bleeding because I would have just thought oh I just bleed heavily I would never have linked it to to the tampons or the moon cup so yeah and then my concern was that if I just use um, um, pads, then I'm just going to go through so many because I'm going to be bleeding so heavily, um, which obviously didn't happen because then my body isn't being triggered to produce more blood. But what I really love is the um, the reusable uh, pads. So like the bamboo ones and things like that, where you just you wash them, Um, they tend to collect more blood. um, So you don't have to use as many. And it's obviously better for the environment as well. yeah I used to I used them for years and um they and it's great because you can adjust them and add more pads in them and there's much more flexibility and um so yeah yeah, thank you so um um, any final wisdom that you'd like to share on anything that we've talked about because we've covered (laughs) a lot of ground so many topics um if there's one thing that you're going to put your time and energy into I would say to put that time and energy into developing your relationship with yourself. I mean, I've said it before, but for me, that is the key to everything. So as long as you are working on your relationship with yourself, then whatever other things you want to flourish, they will. Mm, That's a beautiful place to end. And my final question is, 
what does living a sexy life mean to you? A flexy life. Sexy life. A sexy. <laughs> I was thinking of flexy life. What is that? <laughs> sexy life. What does living a sexy life live uh, mean to me? That's a really good question. It means being open to feeling delicious every day and allowing ourselves to experience deliciousness in every activity that we do yeah it's about deliciousness feeling delicious mm. adding that delicious element yeah i think that's sexy <laughs> wonderful <laughs> and where can people find you online obviously i'll put everything in the show notes but just your key places would be great Sure. So my main website is gettingnaked.com.au. Just make sure you do put the AU or you may land on a porn site. <laughs> and if you're really interested in yoga for the vagina, that's yogaforthevagina.com. You don't need the AU on that one. <laughs> and where's your main social media? Uh, Instagram okay. would be a good place. Getting naked. Getting yeah. Instagram, getting naked. Wonderful. And I'll also put yeah. the link to the yoga for the vagina free starter sequence as well yeah um, fantastic well thank you so much for sharing just your journey your depth of knowledge and your passion and all the wonderful work that you're doing in the world i really really appreciate your time today thank you so much Thank you for listening to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast with me, Sarah Rose Bright. I support women and couples across the globe to truly enjoy sex and pleasure and to create or deepen intimate relationships that are passionate and purposeful, happy and healthy, and I'd love to support you. You can book a complimentary call via my website at sarahrosebright.com to find out if my approach is right for you. And check out my website for information about my one-to-one -one coaching programs and any current workshops, group programs and retreats that I'm running. Wherever and whenever you are listening, wishing you a beautiful day.